Welcome to the Startup Conviction Podcast, where I interview early stage founders about their startup's value proposition and the strength of their conviction. I'm your host, Darian Parrish, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, we have Abran, the co-founder of Create Labs Ventures. Abran, thank you for joining. Uh, could you tell us what Create Labs Ventures is and uh, why you decided to start the company? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So Create Labs Ventures was started by my co-founder and I to address the lack of pipeline into cutting edge you know, industries for the black and brown underserved community. Uh, we're both um, black and brown founders um, coming out of uh, New York City. And uh, we felt like that we have reached, you know, certain um, certain spaces, myself in tech and my partner in media and entertainment that we felt like there just wasn't a clear path to. And we wanted to share those those cheat codes. And, and throughout that process, we ourselves have been, you know, um, really immersed into really interesting spaces that we started to develop products for and do our own bit of innovation. And then we loop in those um, people looking for opportunities in those spaces. So it's been a, a fun ride. Great. And, uh, you know, this is a really big problem. I think uh, there it's, you know, a lot of folks have started to solve the problem, but, you know, we're in such early stages. Um, clearly, you have a background and your co-founder are, are in the space. What's like your edge or what what's the, um, you know, angle that you're taking that you think is a little different from everyone else's approach? Sure. So I think um, there's a lot of people who might be um, passionate about this problem, but maybe aren't from the space that they're trying to address from the community that they're trying to, to support. Um, so we're from the community. So we understand it. We understand how to how to speak to our own community and also what they truly care about. Um, it's easy to just tell someone you got to learn how to code, but you got to understand that you got to uh, drive some interest first and, and purpose and understand the circumstances that might get in the way of someone doing a boot camp, like a full-time job, like kids, like, you know, circumstances in the community. So we try and work with them um, to expose them to technology through other ways. And also, you know, we've reached very interesting spaces in, in our own careers that we feel like we have certain cheat codes that we can share that maybe are the unwritten rules. Um, so my partner, Grady Spivey, he, um, right now, he's also doing, um, he's a VP over at Triller, and he's also working with, uh, he's known in the music industry as working with a, a lot of top celebrities, so a lot of people know him for his work in the entertainment world. Uh, he knows how to navigate that space, but he also knows how to share the cheat codes and how to succeed in that space. And myself, I'm a dev ambassador for OpenAI, I'm an uh, ed tech specialist supporting Verizon. I've been developing ed tech since the space really took off back in 2010, 2011. Um, so we've, we've been uh, around the block a few times and now we're ready to, you know, help others get there. Yeah, that's great. And uh, I think there's uh, two things you mentioned that I want to touch on. One is uh, the so-called cheat codes, which I think, um, you know, gamers probably know, know the reference and then maybe even, you know, folks in academics, uh, you know, wanting to get there faster, um, Let's let's talk about what that means to you and um, how you view these cheat codes as whether it's like a recipe um, for success, whether it's um, a network um, thing. Uh, how do you view that and what does that mean to you? Um, so we we tell people um, 
we like working with uh, folks that are coming from non-traditional pathways, right? So for them, it's a, a career transition. They're not high school students always that we work with job-seeking adults or adults trying to do a career transition. And it's easy to tell folks, yeah, just, just sign up for a coding bootcamp and you'll get a job. Sometimes it's not that easy. Um, I've been talking with employers that have biases against coding bootcamps and also um, they think you have less of a skill set versus someone that came from a CS degree, but also sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes just knowing React isn't enough. Sometimes you need to know how to interview at that particular company. So, you know, do we find you, a, you know, sometimes we might find you a mentor that knows the interview process or knows how to help you um, prepare um, for that. And also what are the jobs that are maybe lesser known to get you into the door that isn't necessarily, you know, a, a software engineer, maybe there's a, a PM role or a CSM role or, you know, HR roles. There's other roles that you can, you know, do the same job you're doing now, but at the tech, um, at the tech level or in, in, with a tech company, uh, there's just a higher ceiling um, salary wise and, and career wise. Got it. And, um, the other thing that I want to talk about is a little bit about the way your company works with technology. And uh, it looks like you have a few um, things listed that you're calling uh, product uh, products on your website. And one of them is uh, DEI.AI. So um, maybe d- diversity, equity, inclusion um, with an AI spin. Uh, yes. let's, let's talk about that and how that works. Sure. So I'll give you some background because we are a bit of a unique startup, which is why I've hesitated to raise because I've gone through that process with my ed tech startups. And this one isn't necessarily as cut and dry. Um, So Create Labs Ventures as as an organization does a lot of social impact projects. And then we also do our own R&D and we also design apps for other uh, aspiring entrepreneurs or companies that are looking to get into the digital space with their business. Um, So we collect checks in a number of ways, but because of my role as as a dev ambassador for OpenAI, I'm the um, one of the like alpha testers for any models that they release. So, you know, that means obviously GPT-3 and other things that they have coming down the pike. But, you know, so I was one of the early people on GPT-3, I'm a, ambassador and mentor for other folks in that community that get access. They schedule office hours with me and how to design for it and do prompt design. So obviously when I reached out to Greg Brockman, the, you know, the co-founder of um, OpenAI, I told him that I want to do some social impact use cases with GPT-3 and he said, you know, have at it. Um, Let us know what you come up with. And uh, DEI, um, for those that we work with in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, most of them are consultants, right? They go in physically to a company. Um, obviously, that was harder with COVID. And they do a training. They call them ILTs, right? Instructional live trainings, like in-person trainings, workshops um, for a couple dozen folks at a time. But how does that work for 10,000 people? You know, if you're working with a large organization and how do you, there, there's not a lot of technology in that diversity, equity, inclusion space, although the demand for DEI has picked up as of recently. So we developed a tool with GPT-3 that serves as an uh, DEI expert uh, bot where you can ask it insight strategy around, you know, how to improve your work culture, how to introduce new initiatives or how to address certain weaknesses or, or opportunities for your company to grow in that inclusion space. And the AI provides 
non-deterministic answers uh, based off of the expertise that we fed it and the expertise that is already baked in with uh, GPT-3. And it helps those DEI consultants scale their work by allowing any HR personnel, senior executives, people managers to ask this uh, AI questions that you know they themselves would have answered, but now they could do it at scale. Got it. And, um, you know, how, how early are you in that, um, you know, product life cycle and where do you see this sitting in the mix of um, other things you're working on? Oh, that was interesting. (laughs) Um, There are several DEI consultants that we already work with um, to address the needs of companies that reach out to us for, for that particular service. So instead of having them feel like this AI is replacing them, we put this into their hands and we said, look, now you have a new technology to offer in addition to your trainings, consultings, coaching sessions with, with your clients. So let's see if any of them bite, right? And are interested. And we have gotten a, a couple bites um, from enterprise clients. We're speaking to a large hospital network in Massachusetts to introduce this. And because there's different verticals, right? So there's hospital networks, um, universities, uh, corporate partners that are interested in this product um, will likely come up with different implementations that are uh, also vertical specific. So that way it can also answer DEI questions related to that industry. So we are currently selling it and trying to land you know, um, pilots um, to see what different types of implementations. Do they want it to be a Slack bot? Do they want it to sit on the HR dashboard? Um, do they want it to be you know, released only to people managers or to all employees as well. So we're trying to get more of a sense between the different clients of the different types of implementations. Got it. And uh, where do you see this in, you know, the next three to five years? Like what would be, uh, what does success look like for you? And what kind of partners or uh, uh, other people are you looking to pull into the team uh, to drive this forward? Um, So like we said, you know, we, we like being, um, almost like an AI R&D lab where we design products that impact different industries like this one impacting the, the DEI space and also um, bringing on board channel partners that understand those spaces and who are experts there. So that way they're the experts in selling it and, and we don't necessarily have to become the sales experts ourselves. We could just sit in the space of being creatives and innovatives and uh, designing the products and then getting it into the right hands of the experts that are already there. Um, so we wanna continue with that model because we also want to, you know, as I mentioned before, mitigate any fears around AI replacing current workforce. We want them to feel like, no, you're empowered by this and this is only helping you scale your current work. Um, one team that we're working with, uh, they're called Trill or Not Trill. So Jeff and Lenny, the co-founders of that um, organization Uh, We want their use of the AI to also reflect what they bake into their trainings, right? Their signature style of their trainings. Um, You know, we we can add some of that to the AI. So that way, when their customers who are already used to their style purchase this AI, they feel like, oh, this is just an extension of them. Um, So, you know, five years from now, I would hope that we have several different um, products that we've designed with AI that impacts, you know, several different industries or several different community problems that we're solving. But we're designing for, you know, uh, education, diversity, equity, inclusion, entertainment. We have an entertainment AI that, you know, we're going to start rolling out. Um, 
to the uh, to in industries and movie studios uh, as well. And same same deal there. I want to get it into the hands of of the studios and, and industry experts that know best how to implement this instead of us telling them how to do it. Yeah, and let's talk about one of the product lines like entertainment. Do you, um, when looking to build a team around that specific product, are you looking to bring in someone who's an entertainment industry expert or um, are you mainly you know, hiring or bringing on team members that have the technical expertise to build out that product? It's a bit of both. So we do have the technical team kind of like worked out because within being part of that open AI community. And I was part of that community when it was less than a thousand people. I think now it's probably up to like 50, 60,000 folks that are all just like ideating and, and collaborating and sharing ideas back and forth of like how to use these different AI models. And we work together, you know, we, we take on, you know, uh, client projects together. We're like, hey, you know, I'm working on this project. Do you want to hop on with me? So from a technical expertise, I think we're good on that side. But on the other side, like I, as I mentioned, so my co-founder, uh, Grady, works in the entertainment space. So I tell him, like, look, you, you know, if you come across, if it comes up organically with different people that you're navigating uh, within that space, you know, feel free to bring this up. Uh, it might be a good fit. Um, We've also had conversations with folks that are in the uh, internal R&D labs of different large studios, and they're trying to, you know, figure this out themselves. And we tell them, like, look, we've already figured it out, right? Whatever you're trying to recreate, you know, using AI for your entertainment properties, we've done it. You know, do you want to work with us to, to kind of reach out and, and land some pilots within that organization or approach some others? You're already in the you know, AI R&D space in entertainment and for this particular studio. So now we're just, you know, enabling you by putting something in your, in, into your hands. Yeah. And let's, let's talk about the final, you know, big, big topic here, which is, uh, you know, this is the startup. It, startups are always challenging via, you know, uh, keeping, keeping the lights on for funding for fuel or uh, whether it's just, you know, competing against the incumbents you know, what, what really drives you and your co-founder and maybe what, what's like a big challenge you could see that might uh, be a showstopper? Um, I think the showstopper could be funding, although we've never let it stop us so far. I mean, Create Labs has been around three, four years and we've bootstrapped throughout those four years. I always treat fundraising as like the last resort um, and would ideally prefer um, the right investors to to reach out to us rather than me barking up trees that maybe they're not interested because we know of a lot of investors and you know a lot of the investors that I've personally known from my ed tech days don't necessarily completely understand AI and vice versa the AI ones don't necessarily understand ed tech so I'm like look I'm not gonna try and convince you that this is a good opportunity if you're already in this space and you come across our work and you want to invest great um, but all of the work that we do so far is, is all driven by the revenue that's generated by the client work that we take on and the social impact initiatives that we produce in, in partnership with, with different tech partners and tech companies. Um, but, you know, I, ideally, <laughs> to be honest, I could just sit and just innovate all day, every day, if I had funding to just have my team work on, you know, AI products um, and just sit in that space. But, you know, as a startup co-founder, I have to wear many hats, right? I'm getting out inv invoices. I'm taking on 
the sales meetings, I'm taking on the intro meetings with potential clients and, you know, keeping those projects, you know, moving forward and assigning the right, you know, talent and devs to those projects. Um, so I am wearing a lot of the operational hats, the biz dev hats, the, the R&D and the innovation hats as well. And, you know, we would definitely benefit by scaling with a raise and scaling our team as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to have that uh, bootstrap mentality where uh, you, you can be more methodical about it and focus on product. And so you're, you're either building or you're selling, but you, you build first and then you sell. And, and you know, if you need some more fuel, uh, hopefully people are finding out about you. So um, one of the purposes of doing this podcast is, is we have some investors listening and, and hopefully they'll reach out. Is the best way to find out about Create Labs Ventures on the web uh, through your website? Is there any way else to follow you or get involved? Um, uh, I'm on Clubhouse. They have a new uh, messenger um, function or for DMing on Clubhouse. Uh, we're pretty active in there to demo uh, and talk about the work that we're doing in AI. Um, Instagram at Create Labs and the DMs there always works. Um, email. With, Abron um, at createlabs.io always works. If you do the contact form on the website, that'll send you to the info at Create Labs. And um, I have to double check if that goes to my personal. I think it should. So that should be fine as well. Um, but I would say that, um, you know, the my question to investors for any that are listening is that, as you hear, we have a lot going on. And there's a big potential in investing in Create Labs Ventures because of the, the value and the, the power of what we do with AI and, and with social impact and bringing those, emerging those two spaces. So is the interest more so in the organization as a whole or some investors have been like, well, just pick a product to raise on, right? So are you more interested in one particular product that we're developing? or one initiative that we're developing, or are you interested in the organization as a whole? So just something to think about. Great. And uh, any, any final things to mention that we haven't covered yet? Um, I know you've, you talked about having, you know, a single product line versus, you know, the, the company as a whole is your bias towards wanting uh, funding for the company as a whole, or would you, you know, consider spinning out one of these uh, products and, and raising funding for that? Um, I mean, if 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 I if it goes to my head, I would probably say, you know, invest in us as a whole because we're doing so many interesting things. And I wonder, you know, what the model is around, you know, R&D labs getting investment. Um, obviously, they're churning out a lot of IP. So if you're interested in all of the IP that we're churning out, then I would say invest in the company as a whole. And the things that are not product related that we're doing that does generate revenue for us is we all we pretty much offer social impact as a service. So what that means is obviously there's a lot of companies right now interested in social impact. Um, the tide has changed with that in, in recent, you know, in the recent year. Um, I, I wouldn't even say recent years. Um, but, you know, if you're an advertising agency and you're interested in social impact, that's not your bread and butter, right? You're like, I don't necessarily know how to do this. We hired a chief diversity officer, but even that person might have come internally and they're not necessarily an expert either. They maybe were in marketing before this. Um, so they outsource a lot of their social impact initiatives to us. Um, we handle a lot of the community outreach, uh, producing hackathons on behalf of organizations, uh, recruiting diverse talent for them, um, putting together social impact initiatives. And that way, 
and it's not necessarily a sponsorship because we're doing it on their behalf. So we just find out what their needs are, what their objectives are, and what kind of impact they want to have, what communities they want impact with, and we produce the whole thing soup to nuts. Um, so that's also been a service that we've been selling, not necessarily something that I've seen in the past as something that you can raise on, but obviously uh, we are talking with large, you know, big brands within Fang that like, look, if you want to, you know, put some funding behind us doing a whole national, you know, roadshow of impact in 10 different cities across, you know, several different states uh, on your behalf, then this is how much it's going to cost and it'll be the whole year and you're going to see a whole, you know, trail of impact um, done on your company's behalf, but produced by us. Got it. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining. You're doing a lot of great work. You have so much going on. Um, looks like there's there's a lot of things coming down the pipeline. So wishing you best of luck with the future and uh, hopefully we'll get some folks reaching out. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much.